Good evening, Suns fans, and welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John, and I'm your host. And you can't spell jam without John and Matthew, so I am, as always, honored to bring in my cohort in crime, the master of the microphone, Mr. Matthew Lissy. Matthew, how are you doing today, my friend? Great, John. What's going on, man? How are you? Not much, man. This is uh, it's pretty wild. We're actually doing something different for the people who typically listen to us via the podcast. We're actually live streaming this for the first time ever in the history of us. We're actually yeah. going live stream. So it's like Saturday Night Live, man. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Well, you get to see us up like live and personal pretty close. Like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you need to shave. Yeah, I've been growing that out a couple weeks. Yeah, only two weeks, huh? Two weeks. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to the Sun's Jam Session Podcast. We're excited that you're joining us, whether you're listening to us on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network or you are watching on either Facebook or Twitter. We actually are going to be putting this on YouTube as well, uh, but we had a little technical difficulty, so we couldn't get on the platform there. So wherever you are, please make sure that you subscribe to the pod. Make sure that you uh, click the subscribe button if when this goes on youtube make sure you cl click the subscribe button make sure you uh, follow the the uh the podcast on twitter at sun's jam and uh, on instagram at sun's jam you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter uh, matthew let's see yeah buddy you know what it's it's time to talk about the suns and the, the draft lottery Oh, I got, hey i'm doing oh, here well, what, 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 what are you drinking what are you drinking there banquet beer on live tv that's not even live yeah, Coors Banquet, you know? Coors Banquet beer, all right? I got an 805. Ooh. So let's pop that bad boy open. Take a sip. Let's talk Suns, baby. All right. I don't know what the heck that is going on behind <laughs> us. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. You ready? Intro time. That just knocked yeah. your socks off, didn't yeah. you? Matthew? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very drama filled. I know, right? <laughs> well, welcome everybody to uh, the Suns Jam Session podcast. We're going to talk about the lottery. You know, the the lottery went down yesterday, five thirty Arizona time, and kind of that break in between the Bucks kicking the shit out of somebody and the Lakers kicking the shit out of somebody. We got an opportunity to see where the Suns are going to end up on draft day, which is October sixteenth. And I guess the first question before we go through all the results. Uh, we know that the Suns ended up at 10, which is right where they should be. What are your initial thoughts following them staying put at number 10? Well, we thought it would be that way. So honestly, it's just, it's what I was prepared for. I actually was just watching it off in the distance and I can see, you know, you can always just see like the sun coming out of the envelope still. Like we always have that reaction, right? When you see the, uh, like the orange and the, uh, the yellow, whatever our colors are, when they, when they pull out of the envelope and I was just like, yeah, I'm fine with it. And back to business. Like it was just like, I knew we would be number 10. If we jumped to four, three, two, or one, it would have been very, very strange, especially for us picking in the top four, top five in like the last four years. So I'm okay with it, though. Like, how did you feel, though, man, seeing well, that card? Well, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, it's been since 1987 since the, the Suns jumped in the draft. So it's like the odds of it truly happening, especially with us at a number 10 pick. Uh, wasn't going to happen, which I'm okay with because this isn't really the draft you want to jump in. You know, all you're going to do if you jump from 10 to four, three, two, or one is have to pay that rookie more money 
coming into a year when we probably aren't going to have the same uh, cap space that we're expecting due to COVID and everything. So I think staying put at 10 is something that not only did I expect, but I was kind of happy it happened. You know, of course, yeah. a little bit of you is like, yeah, I want to jump into that top four. You know, that gives us an asset and that allows us an opportunity to maybe make a couple extra moves. But at the end of the day, like being at number 10 is where I wanted to be. I do too. Cause you can still trade it. You can still do what you want with it. And it doesn't really have us like questions. Like, should we get LaMelo balls? Should we get Obi top and a lot of the top draft picks or should we trade it? Um, because you know, this franchise is really going to be looking for adding some depth uh, with some veterans. So mm -hmm. right now I think there's some teams that might think number 10 is pretty tasty. So they might want to jump on that, but I doubt it. It'll probably be just a, uh, a number 10 pick going along with the player we have for someone else that's more valuable. That's what I would think. No, I'm with you 110%. And if you actually look at the draft lottery itself, you can see the Boston took number 14, the Pelicans took number 13, Kings 12, San Antonio Spurs number 11, we held tight at 10, and the Wizards got number 9. And that was all chalk. I mean, that's the way it was supposed to play out. And then things got a little bit interesting. The Knicks fell two places from number 6, and they actually got the number 8 pick. The Pistons fell from number... Uh, I think they were number six. Yeah, no, they were number they were number five, and they fell two places to number seven. The Hawks are now now at number six. They fell two places as well because they were supposed to be number four. Cleveland fell three places to hit number five. The Bulls moved up three to get number four. Then you had the Hornets move up five. So that were the big winners. Yeah, technically, is the Charlotte Hornets. They moved up five to hit number three. Gold State, who was supposed to be the number one pick, technically dropped one. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves came in, and they now have the first pick in the 2020 draft. So I guess my question for you is, why did Knicks fans cry so much? I mean, they only dropped two. They went from <laughs> yeah, six to eight in a shitty draft. I mean, they're they're like the Dallas Cowboys. They're like the New York Yankees of basketball, even though there's not a whole lot of winning going on there lately. But that's just it. It's just like they have a reason to whine. It's more the fans, though. If the fans want to complain and whine, I let them. Because it's it's kind of funny. It's, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's comical in a way just because it's the thing year to year to year is the New York Knicks. They take away a lot of the spotlight from the Phoenix Suns. So they continue to be terrible and it's funny. And I, I do feel bad for them because I feel like they just haven't had any good luck, but now I feel like maybe their organization's going in the right way. Maybe they'll get, start having better luck like the Phoenix suns in a way, kind of, you know, things start to happen. Same, we get the number one pick because maybe they knew James Jones was going to be our GM and it's the right choice. So maybe stuff like that happens. And I, I, oh, I do feel bad. Matthew. I do feel bad for the Knicks, um, but I hope I don't know. I, I I mean, what do you think? You think they cry too much? Who cries though? Is it? Well, I got a couple Knicks fans in my life, and I can completely understand why. I think that the weighted lottery uh, envelope from 1985 that essentially gave them Patrick Ewing. Uh, they've been paying a penance for that ever since because that's the last good thing to happen to them in the lottery since the advent of the lottery in 1985. And the Knicks fans that I have in my life are, you know, they're very persecuted people. And I understand why. I mean, they haven't had a really, really good team since the mid-90s. They had a couple decent flare-ups, if you will, in the 2000s, but they haven't had anything really to root for. And then every time the draft comes around, you know, that's kind of the one thing that they're banking on. Like last year, you know, they wanted to get in the top two and they got the top three and they got RJ Barrett and you know this year yeah they were supposed to be the number six pick but they dropped to eight so it was like for my uh, two Nick friends it was like the world was ending to them I'm like dude you dropped two spaces in a 
mediocre draft. Like it's not the end of the world, but they're like, you know, man, you just don't understand. I'm like, uh, you're right. I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Suns fan and I have my own set of, you know, special persecutions, but you know, again, I feel bad for him, but at the same time, I, I, I don't. What, uh, what do you think Minnesota is going to do at number one? This is tough. It is. Cause my boy LaMelo, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. I don't think he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> well, fit there though. No, he doesn't. And D'Angelo Russell, which I got their two names combined for some reason. Um, you know, he's going to want to have the ball he's going to, he's a player that needs the ball to create, do whatever he wants to do on the court. But, Lamella's gonna need the ball too, so I'm like, he's probably not gonna go there. But it's like, what do they do with that number one pick? I just, I don't know. I feel like it's just up in the air. Do you think they might trade it? Like, I don't know if they're gonna trade it or not, but I don't know who would they get in the in the draft. No, I, I truly don't know which way they're gonna yeah, go because because you look at like James Wiseman, they already got Carl Anthony Towns, so I don't know if James Wiseman's the way to go. You have a couple guys who are really good guards, but it's like, I don't know if they want to go that route. Like, they really actually need a good wing. So I could totally see Minnesota dropping down like two or three spots, getting a couple more assets, and then taking a shot at one of the wings. Because I do feel like this is going to be kind of a uh, a pretty nice wing draft, if you will. Yeah. And I think that that's yeah. something that, uh, you know, we'll talk about here in a second. I guess the last question I have when looking at all the other teams before we get into more of the Suns strategy here is do you think that this is like the highlight for the Charlotte Hornets franchise <laughs> moving up to the number three pick? Because I think it is. There's not. I was thinking about this last night when I saw them get hit number three. I'm like, what really are the highlights for the Charlotte Hornets in their franchise besides like Michael Jordan buying them and like Grandmama and Muggsy Bogues and like the mid '90s days where they didn't get yeah. past, they never hit an Easter Conference Finals. I just that's got to be a depressing fan base. Oh, it has to be. I mean, the last good pick they really had was Kemba Walker in 2011. Like after that, like we can go down the list right now. Uh, <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, Noah Vonley, uh, Frank Kaminsky. These are all first round draft picks by the Hornets. Uh, Malachi Richardson. I probably wrote these down wrong. Malik Monk, SGA, which went to the Clippers and the PJ yeah. Washington. So that's really what they had to deal with the past uh, eight years or so. But it's just they have a good look. They kind of are hitting on some players. I mean, they have who did they have? Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham's actually been probably the most improved player this year for them. I mean, he went yeah. up to 18 points, four points a game. So I think they have that. They just need shooting. And I don't feel like they have a lot of shooting. Monk, they kind of, I feel like, wasn't he a shooter coming out? And now he's shooting like less than 30% from behind the arc. Like, yeah. I don't, I just, I don't know. They have a lot of bad luck, but they also, every time they pick a player in the draft, it's like, okay, like, who the hell is that? And basically, like, you can kind of tell they're going to be a shitty player. Like, they're not going to be, they're not going to live up to any kind of expectations if they had any. Mm -hmm. So, poor Hornets, great look, but they'll get it together, right? Maybe. Well, I mean, this is the first step, I guess, towards them. I, you know, I've always kind of liked the Hornets. I think they got cool colors. Yeah, uh, that's my favorite part. Yeah, the you know, Hornets. But, but, I mean, the last time they had to pick this high, they, in the first round of the uh, 2012 NBA draft, they had the second pick, and they took MKG. They took... You know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah. And of course, that's the draft where Anthony Davis went number one overall and Bradley Beal went number three overall. So that was a swing and a miss for the uh, Hornets franchise back then. So I thought, uh, you know, again, nothing overly uh, surprising about where the Suns landed. But now it's time to really take a look at what we expect the Suns to do with this pick. You know, is, is there anyone you're keyed in on yet as our number 10 pick? Or are you still in the trade it camp? 
I'm in trade it, trade it Ew. fully. Unless you can grab a player that, oh, oh no, live TV voice crack. There it is. Oh first one, God. first one of the year. <laughs> cheers. So, yeah, cheers to that. Here you go. But, um, you know, there's there's not really anybody that, because right now I'm in the middle of my deep dive into these guys. Uh, there's a couple guys we're going to re- uh, preview right now. But besides Gross. that, I just, yeah. But besides that, I... You know, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm all for trade the pick. I'm all about trading that pick for something else, some veteran. So, and that's a drinking game, right? Is that why you just drank? Because I said <laughs> trade that pick. Every, no, or is no, it because no. my voice cracked? No, <laughs> no, it's because you said you were going to deep dive into these guys. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> yeah, oh. you did. It's on audio. It's on it's video fine. now too. So, right. uh, I have somebody who has been saying trade the pick since. March, you know, I've been saying we need to get rid of this pick. We yeah. need to go ahead and just move forward with uh, veteran type players. Uh, you know, James Jones is trying to build guy a team that has more veteran presence and just mature presence. You look at Cameron Johnson, a guy who played four years at UNC. You look at Mikel Bridges, a guy who won two national championships uh, and has crunch time experience. You know, outside of DeAndre Ayton, who only played one year and was bouncing the first round of the NCAA tournament, you have a lot of veteran uh, and seasoned guys on this team. So my initial thought is we need to trade this pick. But now I am doing what you're doing, Matthew. I'm starting to do the deep dives. I'm starting to take a look at some of the players in this draft. And what I'm realizing is that this is a draft that isn't you know, stock full of superstars, but it's stock full of really talented players who can help you. A lot of specialists, a lot of James Jones kind of guys, you know, guys who like Cameron Johnson who came in. And he's like, I need a three ball specialist to come off the bench. Boom, Cam Johnson. You know, I need a lockdown three and D guy, you know, who could work on the three, but is really good at D. Boom, Mikael Bridges. So as I start to look at this draft, I'm really starting to open my eyes to maybe not trade the pick. So I actually have two different prospects that I, w- I want to highlight today. And I want to just bring about two different draft philosophies that I think that the Suns could uh, pursue in this. Okay? Sound good, Matthew? Yeah, whatever you want to do. Well, let's do it. <laughs> so there's short-term greed and there's long-term greed is the way I was kind of talking about uh, talking about it with somebody today. And if you go with long-term greed, and I like what uh, in the chat, uh, Churchboy127 says, Suns must get a point guard out of this draft. So thank you, Churchboy, for following along. We truly appreciate it. Uh, that's kind of the long-term greed solution that I think that the Suns should look at. Because y- y- you think about the Suns and you go, okay, Ricky Rubio is the right here right now, and he's the right here right now for the next two years. You know, we have him under contract for two years, and if we go and we get a, and we're blessed to have an opportunity to get a quality point guard in this draft, there's somebody that could learn underneath Ricky Rubio. Not an instant impact, but they could learn under him. So that's your long-term goal because what happens after Ricky Rubio is 31 years old, almost 32, when we part ways with him, uh, or we bring him back on a you know a veteran deal that's very. Uh, cost-effective for the Suns, then this new point guard, whoever this may be, can take the reins over from him. So it'd be a nice long-term transition into uh, into the future of the Suns. So Kevin uh, O'Connor from The Ringer does a fantastic job of putting together his mock drafts and his player profiles. And today he updated it. And he actually had the Suns taking the guy who he has as actually his number one prospect on the board. And that is six foot five point guard slash shooting guard, Killian Hayes from France. What are your thoughts on the 18 year old kid from overseas? Well, first off, I just want to say the Ricky Rubio thing. Um, I feel like he can play for another five years just really quick. 
And I think that he's just, he's not very athletic any by any standard. So he's a facilitator and he uses his big butt to get around. So this is my big butt theory where I'm going to go. Um, this guy, of course, is not very athletic. Uh, six, five. He looks like he's bigger though. Killian Hayes. And I think that mm-hmm. also he's a limited athlete and he has that big butt. You can get around, get to his spots. He can create off those spots. He can shoot from the spots. Reminds me of a lot of like, you know, the players in the NBA today where they're not too quick, but they can just maneuver and get into wherever they want. That's what he reminds me of is like, I'm not saying he's these guys. It's just his game kind of reminds me of like a Luca Harden or even Devin Booker, the way he creates. So it's, if you're a big booty hoe out there in France, like I, I feel like you have any shot to make the, to make the NBA. And now we're kind of getting to the point where the overseas guys have kind of busted down the barrier to where they're coming in and they're not as soft as they, as they used to be. Luca broke that barrier. Now you're going to see these guys on the draft boards higher and higher every year. This guy's number one makes sense. And it would be great for the Suns to actually get this guy at number 10, just like you were saying, now that we're deep diving, you're seeing a bunch of these guys. You're like, wait, this this might work on the Suns team. This is one of the guys I can feel like he can come in off the bench, maybe learn from Rubio, or play in the three guard lineup that I want. And it's not it's not like the small point guard lineup that we used to have with Dragic and and uh, Isaiah you know, Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, and the other dudes. Whatever, um, what's his name? Let's <laughs> Yeah, sure. That guy. It's not like that. It's just like you have some bigger guys that actually can facilitate they can play make they can shoot and i would like to see that and that's what i was trying to get with Lamelo ball you can have mm-hmm. that but with this guy he's a little bit shorter but i feel like he'll still have like the width and the big booty to get down there and do what he wants well i mean he's only 18 years old he's left-handed he's from france is he elio kobo 2.0 i don't think so i don't there's think so no either. way uh, if he's on because i mean if you go back to the old uh, draft like the the ringers draft boards mm-hmm. the guides like the comparisons are nothing close so i feel like this guy might be something uh, a little bit bigger than elliot kobo which is yeah well i mean a six foot five you know he's already bigger than him but one thing that i got to give koc on his draft guides is you he makes it really easy to kind of understand who these guys are so first off he says he's a dynamic left-handed shot maker who's made rapid progress at age 18 uh, though he's raw in some technical areas he has shades of D'Angelo Russell and Manu Ginobili. So, yeah, I can see that. Definitely has the Euro step down. Uh, and then he gives him kind of badges, like it's 2K, you know, and he gives him a playmaking badge, a perimeter shooting badge, a feel for the game badge, and an off-ball defense badge, which that's one thing that I enjoyed uh, seeing that he does have a little bit of defense in his game. And then if you go to Tankathon, I, one thing I love about going to Tankathon you know, besides, you know, hitting the button a million times, like before the actual lottery happens itself is if you click on a player and you look at their profile, they actually have like a bunch of videos of that player below. So you really, if like, if you're looking to scout and you don't know who you like in this draft and you want to start just watching some videos on these guys, just go to tankathon, man. It's all right there bundled up in a package for you. And as I started to watch Killian Hayes's uh, highlight reel playing in France, uh, here's what I wrote down instincts galore. I mean, this kid he sees the he sees 360 around him. He knows what's going on on the court. Whether he's driving the ball and he's hitting the guy in the corner for uh, you know the three point shot. Uh, his lob game is really good. I didn't see too many pick and roll situations in France, uh, but the ones that he did, he was maneuvering them very well and was making the right decision. And again, he's 18, so you're seeing this at such a young age and such a raw form that you know that's only going to get better, especially if you have like a DeAndre Ayton sitting down there. 
So uh, really was impressed with that. He had pinpoint passing and his touch touch entry passes, which is something that I think uh, annoys Suns fans when DeAndre Ayton gets down there on the block and we just can't get him the ball. Looks like Killian Hayes has the ability to get him the ball. So I'd be interested to see how that works with uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, nice Harden-esque step back. You know, a couple times he does the jab step, pop back behind the three, take a shot. That was impressive. Uh, kind of a herky-jerky jump shot, though. Definitely needs some work. You know, kind of that quick release uh, look to it. A little, I don't want to say Lonzo Ball, because Lonzo Ball was like off to the side doing some crazy shit, but kind of where Lonzo Ball is now. Uh, goes left almost exclusively, and that's definitely going to be a challenge for him moving forward, is all you got to do is just put the defender on his left hand and you'll be able to stop him or he'll pass out of it. So again, something that can be coached. And again, at 18, something that's definitely coachable and plenty of talent for someone who's so young. Uh, I, I get kind of excited when I see it thinking in the long term. If this is the route we want to go, if we want to go and get a point guard for the Phoenix Suns, knowing that Ricky Rubio will be here for at least a couple more years, maybe some more, because you think he's got a lot of basketball left in him, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And then also you have to take into consideration, too. Is there an age limit for this team now? The 18-year-olds coming in. Um, I don't know. Overseas, of course, they've been playing a lot more ball than a lot of kids that are playing just college. But honestly, I think that when you're talking about these players now, the age limit, I think, has to be a factor. And I think also, too, that uh, Ricky Rubio does have a lot left in him. And uh, it's a little bit of the theme of where he's throwing in the trades and this and that. But he seriously plays so low to the ground, can't jump over a nickel, still gets his layups up. He's shooting pretty good from the three now. So I just I think that we can really concentrate on other areas. Uh, this guy would be great. But that's what I'm saying. If you do get this guy, you can play a different system to where you can have him and not the starting lineup, but he can just come in off the bench and still play with Booker and Rubio, you know, as the other one. But then also you have to think about Javon Carter, um, Cam, Cameron Payne, if they're coming back. So I got to put those in the factor. So it is a lot to go in it. And luckily it's not my job, but I I trust this organization (laughs) now. I trust it's going to be a tough one, man. This James Jones has got a lot of homework to do, but I think you're right though. I mean, the nice thing I, the thing that I really like about, uh, Killian Hayes and I like, uh, what church boy one, two, seven, seven, the chat. He's like, I see Goran. Absolutely. I definitely see Goran Dragic in the way that he plays is the fact that he's a combo guard. He's six, five. He can be a guy who comes in and spells Devin Booker. And what have I been saying all season? We need to have the ability to spell Devin Booker, you know, yeah. John Carter. I love him. And Cameron Payne. I love him. But if you have like that, a, a backup lineup of Cameron Payne, Javon Carter, now perhaps Killian Hayes coming in, to provide a little bit more facilitation while Booker's off the court and some scoring ability, man, that's, that's a good looking team right there. But again, it's a tough decision to make. Yeah, it totally is. And it's, we're kind of lucky now to where we have to make these tough decisions, but it's only to help like improve our team in a way to where we have a core now before you're like looking for pieces. All right, we gotta, we gotta get this guy to help this guy to really, you know, be in the starting lineup and be a star, be an all-star. Now it's not that anymore, man. Now it's just like, Oh, Nicholas Tans in the, in yeah, the Nick, house, dude. Yeah, Nick, Nick Tan, hey. the Tan Man. Uh-huh. Cheers, cheers to the Tan Man. <laughs> cheers. I like what uh, can, can only be one said in the chat. Ha, not heard the words trust this organization in a long time. It's very yeah. true, though. It, but last time I used that was when Ryan McDonough was hired. So seriously, well, that's the last time I used that. Yeah, and you got to think about it. Uh, you know, when Ryan McDonough first started with the Suns, he had a good run, if you think about it. The team had won 20-something games. And what happened right after there? 
he they won 23 more. They they he drafted Alex Len with the fifth pick, which was eh, brick hands lens. But then he won 23 more games, just missed the playoffs, right? Yeah. And then he drafted TJ Warren, and then he drafted Devin Booker. We were like, oh my god, dude, Ryan McDonough is a fucking genius. And then like everything crumbled and went to hell. So yep. <laughs> but at the beginning of his run was pretty solid i mean we thought we were turning things around but then there were the debacles with bled so we don't need to go until we all know yeah uh, like- shout out to bright side of the sun <laughs> yeah. thanks for joining us bright side of the sun appreciate that remember yeah, that you can subscribe that to bright side of the sun podcast network to hear this podcast a little bit later today all right so i was talking about the short-term greed or the long-term greed being drafting a point guard slash shooting guard uh by going for killian hayes and as that is who kevin o'connor currently has the suns drafting in their mock draft if you want to look at long or short-term greed, I really started to fall in love with this guy after a few days ago, uh, KOC updated his pre-lottery um, mock draft, and he had the Suns taking six foot six, small forward slash wing, Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. Did you watch anything about this guy? Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. I got five full minutes of video in right now. Again, I'm in the middle of deep diving, so I'll have some more, but... Right off the bat, I noticed it's like, is this a guy that is, you know, basketball IQ is high? Yes, I think so. He's going to be 21 too when the season starts next year, which should be December. Uh, I'm thinking that too, that he has a great shot. And if it's a guy that would know his role, which is one of his, um, actually, I think it was one of his, uh, not weakness, <laughs> opposite of weaknesses. Strengths. Um, strengths. There you go. One of his strengths was, <laughs> was really just, um, was spot up shooting, but also just he knows his role. And that's something I feel like we can get if Kelly Oubre leaves or we need or we're shorted on the end of uh, um, wings, then we can have this guy come in and knows his role and get some shots up. And that's all we need. We need guys that can come in and score like a lot of teams do. Mm-hmm. But it looks like one of the guys that um, he's one of those dudes. So, yeah, give me your info because I think you're more prepared than I am on this one. Well, you hit the nail on the head, and that's the reason why I said short-term greed when it comes to drafting somebody uh, like Aaron Neesmith. He's, you got to look at just kind of what's going on in Sunsland. The great debate right now is the Kelly Oubre debate. You know, Is he expendable? Do we trade him this offseason? Do we hope, you know, hold on to him for the entire next season knowing that his contract is up at the end of next season? And hope that we get a hometown discount because I don't think there's any way we'll pay have, we'll pay him 17 million after next season, especially considering Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, you know, some contracts are going to be up, and we're going to have to pay these guys. So that's kind of becoming the great debate right now: is what do we do with Kelly Oubre? So the the short term greed could be like, listen, let's go, let's get an athletic wing, and spell that that space that Kelly Oubre takes up. Again, I've said it before; I'll say it again. I love Kelly Oubre. I love what he brings to this team. I love that he brought an identity to this team. I love that he brought swag to this team. I love. I love that he, uh, you know, he gets the team going. I mean, he was on the bench cheerleading in the bubble louder than anybody out there. I mean, Kelly Oubre is the the pulse of this team. But we have to face, you know, the business decision of this. And is is he worth keeping around? You know, I don't know if we necessarily want to trade him right now. Uh, although his value has never been higher. But if we bring in another wing, what we're saying is. Now we have options. When his contract is up at the end of next season, perhaps we have somebody who's come in and spelled him properly and provided minutes and scoring that make him a little bit more expendable. Enter Aaron uh, Neesmith. So this kid from Vandy is 
he he was fun to watch his highlights, man. You look at AOC's or uh, KOC's um draft guide, and he says he possesses a flamethrower jump shot. He project he projects easily as a high end role player, though he flashes raw raw ability off the dribble. Shades of Dale Ellis, Danny Green, and a taller Buddy Heel, with uh, focuses on perimeter sh- shooting and hustle. So as I watched the highlights of him playing Vandy, which were kind of comical because a lot of the teams Vandy were playing, you'd look at the score at the bottom of the screen. They're playing like Austin P, and they're down like 20 points. You're like, what the fuck's going on here? But the kid can shoot, man. Reminds me a lot of Cam Johnson. A lot of catch and shoot, uh, deadly accurate, more athletic than Cam was coming out of, of college. You know, he's six foot six versus Cam being six foot eight or nine. Uh, so he was really good at taking it to the hole. Uh, he can go left or right. I mean, he scored 23 points a game at Vandy uh, sharpshooter from deep. He shot 52.2% from deep on 8.2, three point attempts per game. It's like he's shooting 52% on two shots a game. That's 8.2 free three pointers a game. Now, granted it was 14 games, uh, but I also noticed that it was a lot of wide open looks. Uh, you know, it's college defense. You know, you when you start to go through highlights and you're watching and you're trying to get a feel for who players are, you got to understand it's like college football. You know, you see a running back who, you know, cuts left, cuts right, and he's gone. Well, in the NFL, the linebackers filled that hole and he's fucked. It's the same thing in college basketball. You do a quick, uh, you know, drive and pop. A lot of guys are going to be wide open because defenses naturally collapse and they're not athletic enough to get back on these guys. Uh, but he looked kind of like a James Jones kind of guy for me, a specialist for sure, somebody who could fill up the bucket. And again, I'll go back to, you know, where I started with my observations, reminded me a lot of Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of these guys too that you're gonna like. That it's not like we're gonna have to wait for um, some kind of a potential. It's it's already there. This guy, like I said, high basketball IQ. He's gonna be a little bit older too. But the only thing I too I saw in his shot was maybe just a little bit of a hitch and a little bit of a slower release. Maybe speed that up a little bit. Um, besides that, man, I I like the pick. And this is what we're gonna start doing. We're gonna start finding these guys and kind of mm-hmm. cross our fingers. Maybe you know, stay at number ten or don't trade up, but stay at number ten. Maybe trade back a little bit. You can get some of these guys, and it's just the dudes you want to come in. You want to have come in and really just fill that role, man. So I would be excited if uh, this would be maybe a guy at number ten. Yeah, and uh, another guy I really like, and we'll probably spend a little bit of time talking about him uh, on an upcoming pod. Is the kid from Florida State, Devin Vassell. Um, in a couple mock drafts, he's going just out of the reach of the Suns uh, to the Wizards. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, you want to talk about another point guard? I think that's probably our next podcast. I really want to deep dive on Devin Vassell and Tyrese Halliburton. In fact, Bright Side of the Sun just released uh, uh, a Devin Vassell kind of bio written by Zona Sports. So if you get a chance, make sure you stop by there and read that because I'm sure that's going to give you a lot of great information about that prospect. And he's just another guy who uh, I think that you know, the, the wings are the strength of this draft and the wings, you can't have enough of them in, in the NBA, I feel. And as we're trying to build out our bench, you know, a, a lot of the talk has been, hey, we need an opportunity to add depth to our bench, right? But if we try to bring in a free agent, a free agent is going to cost a little bit of that Skrilla, man. It's going to cost a little bit of that money. But I think that if you get a good rookie, someone like an Aaron Neesmith or someone like a Devin Vassell, you're going to save some of that money, right? Oh, absolutely. Plus, you don't even know what's going to happen this season because of the shortened season. And um, there's just really no forecast of how the money's going to work. So it's like you got to hold on to these guys. And then also uh, you got to look at free agency, but also the guys that are going to hit free agency for you too, which would be um, maybe, I mean, Javon Carter, but 
that's someone I feel like you can resign for cheap, but the easiest way to go about it is in the draft, but you got to hit on somebody that's ready to come out, ready to produce and help Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton, um, really hopefully make the freaking playoffs next year. So that's what they're really looking at this time. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we have, we have what, like two months until the draft actually occurs. So we'll have t- plenty of time to deep dive into a few more of these guys, but those are the first guys that I really liked. I mean, KOC Brightside, you know, I know you did a faux pas, but we totally need to know what AOC thinks uh, is the best fit for the Suns. AOC or KOC? Because oh, I see what he's. I he, see said, what he says that I said AOC earlier. Yeah, yeah uh, is that you, John? That's on the bright side comments. No. Oh, you're not like doing a Kevin Durant over here. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not using no? <laughs> Brightside as a burner account right now. Oh, no. okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, AOC, the Democrat uh, there in Washington, really cares about what the best fit is for the Sun. No. for the Suns. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, again, I really like Killian Hayes, but I but I really really like Aaron Neesmith. I think he's going to fit some needs moving forward. So, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs? Even though the yeah. Suns aren't, yeah, uh, you've been watching a lot of it at work or what? No, ever since the Suns got eliminated, I haven't watched a minute of basketball at work. I get home, I get to watch a little bit at night, get to see the highlights. Uh, there's been yeah. a lot of blowouts, man. Not a lot of close games. There have, but also it's a first round too, so you can get that a lot too. Oh, hey, look at that, who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, distracting. So I was gonna say, there's a lot of blowouts, obviously, because the Lakers blew it, the the Bucks blew it in the first game. But then so look at them now. Yeah, here they come. Yeah, but then also too, really interesting is the Nuggets matchup with the Utah Jazz. Jazz blew them out today, but I feel like that's gonna be a back and forth battle where. One game, they're going to look good. The next game, you know, the Nuggets are going to look good. So you get to look out for that. But I still think even the Rockets series, what? They're up 2-0 now. And they're over killing OKC. them. They, they are, but I just, I don't know how much yeah, I can we trust. Both, we both picked OKC in that one. We, we did. I think a lot of people wrong. did. Yeah, but I'm I'm rooting for the Rockets. I just picked OKC. Uh, I didn't bet anything on it, but I'm for the Rockets. I, I kind of want the Rockets to win the championship. Uh, secretly, um, but it's going to be tough. I think what we saw from the Lakers last night just shows you that's that's the way they're going to be. And then you also got to watch Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. What are your thoughts? So th- does it hurt you to see Doncic plays so well? I mean, his whole oh, team plays man. well, but I don't feel like it doesn't hurt me. Like it's like they have a great team. He was out in the second half a lot, and then after that, like he came back in to help out. But besides that, they're just a well coached team and. I think he he deserves it. It's his first series. He's probably not going to get past the Clippers. It's whoever wins the championship first, the Suns or the Mavericks, and we have a we have a good chance too. I feel like just just as good as the Mavericks, right? <laughs> well, no, and but all honesty though, if Aiden doesn't get suspended this year, man, we're in there. We're the seventh seed. We're the sixth seed. We're right there, man, without a doubt, uh, which is awesome. But at the same time, like you know, and uh, shout out to Carlos uh, Miramon here in the chat. He said, "Boo, Luca." And he had a couple other draft questions, which we'll get to at the back end of this. But that's it, though. You know, boo Luca. Like, I can't boo Luca. He's a great basketball player. You know, yeah, what's what's you. the only thing that we have against Luca? The fact that the Suns didn't draft him. Okay. Yeah. Move on. Like, you know, there's a lot of drafts in which the Suns didn't draft the right guy. You know, in 1987, when they went and they got uh, Armin Gilliam at number two, you know, they missed out on Scottie Pippen and Reggie Miller in. Uh, they missed out on Carl Malone in like 1985 yeah. when they drafted Tim Perry at number 10 and Carl Malone went 13th. Like you're yeah. going to miss on guys. The thing is, is like 
in those situations when we missed on Armin, like when we drafted Armin Gilliam and we missed on Scotty Pippen and Reggie Miller, like Armin Gilliam didn't do much for the Suns. When we drafted Tim Perry at number 10 in 1985 and we missed out on Carl Malone, like Tim Perry didn't do shit for the Suns. Like DeAndre Ayton's going to do shit for the Suns. So oh, I, don't yeah, know, I don't understand this continual hate of Luca. It's not that I'm like, you know, this is a Suns podcast yeah. and we're like, we love Luca. I love good basketball players. He's a good basketball player. The Suns didn't draft him. Oh, well, move on. Like, are, yeah. uh, why, why do we have to crucify ourselves for and, and be martyrs for the fact that we didn't draft the guy? We got DeAndre Ayton, man. This guy's yeah. a fucking beast. He's well, averaging plus, 17 yeah. and 10, and he's not even trying yet. Like, yeah. this guy's going to be a fucking rock star. I know. I, I don't think you can look at it like that. You can just look at it as the Mavericks are growing just like the Suns, and I feel like the Mavericks are not going to make it out of the first round, I don't think. If they do, God bless them. Like, what the... F- like, if seriously, they get farther than the first round, then good for them. But honestly, we got to focus. If Devin Booker doesn't care, and he's out there with Kendall every day, Kendall Jenner and him, I see pictures all day long of what the hell they're doing every day. Nice hard bods, two hard bods going at it. Everyone loves to see that. Everyone loves to see that, but honestly... I mean, he doesn't care, does he? I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know where we're going, uh, I but I don't, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, Luca, keep playing well. You know why? I want him to play well. So when the Suns make the playoffs next year, we can beat them and shut you know all the haters up. You know, the haters. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think a lot of it's just like the Suns not making the playoffs too. That's some of the factor as mm-hmm. well. But honestly. Um, you know, we got to move on. We got to move on. We moved on. We talked a lot of shit in the beginning of the year, but now we've moved on and we'll talk, talk shit again next year. I heard uh, our, our buddies over at the, the coast to coast podcast, uh, Dan and flex Dan said, uh, what did he say? You got to treat it like frozen. Let it go. Like, amen. Yeah. That's such, a, that's such yeah. a good phrase. Dan shout out. If you listen to this, yeah. uh, cause I've used that phrase like six times since I heard you say it. I'll make it so true. It's like frozen, man. Let it go. All right. Yeah, life uh, on. You know, but, the upsets and the the one thing that's actually blowing me away right now in the playoffs is how Utah is really handling Denver. I really thought Denver was going to, especially after the first game, even though Donovan Mitchell scored 57 uh, and lost the game, Utah's come out and smacked him upside the head like twice. And I've found that really impressive. Oh yeah, definitely. And the Nuggets are one of those teams where a lot of people like the Memphis Grizzlies used to be. It's like a lot of people will choose them to like make it to the conference finals just because of their depth they're they're they play they play hard they play good defense and they have a lot of like star potential i feel like on that team but they just they fail in the playoffs year after year and then utah usually does the same thing but honestly i know they blow them out the last two games but you got to watch out dude i still think denver is going to win this series not that it even matters get one at least one of these teams will be out of the playoffs cuz i can't watch those <laughs> uniforms both the uniforms going at it i can't watch it Seriously, that's half the reason I hate the Spurs because they're uniforms. The most boring Spurs, most boring uniforms ever, the Spurs. Like if you go yeah. on 2K and you want to pick like throwback Spurs uniforms, it's just the same uniform over and it's over the again. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. What effect do you think the bubbles have it on the playoffs? Because I mean, obviously home court advantage is gone, but yeah. you're starting to see teams like that. That's what's scary is the teams that are really sharpshooting teams like the Mavericks, like the Heat, they're teams that are potentially could be affected by the crowds in opposing arenas, which they don't have to deal with. So those guys, they all they're hearing is the encouragement from their own benches, and you're starting to see them really shoot lights out. I mean, the scores on these games are impressive. Yeah, I mean, they've been impressive for a while now, not just the bubble, but I think just now bubble I think butt. teams... Bubble butts. And I think teams are really getting um, comfortable now 
in in the bubble. I think they are because a lot of these teams that were in the playoffs weren't really playing during the eight game seeding games. They weren't playing at all. So now I think they're getting comfortable, and now you're seeing the good side of the really good teams, and we'll continue to see that. I think the playoffs are going to be amazing. I'm still watching as much as I can. I listen to it at work when I can. Okay. I'll, but um, it's still it's good stuff. Even if the Suns are out, I'm still going to watch it this year. Yeah, I have the NBA.com up. And I'm watching the scores. But again, like if it was a good game, I'd go find a TV and watch the fourth quarter. But like none of them have been good games through the third quarter, at least those early games. So, you know, we'll see. I know the Mavericks play the Clippers tonight, so I'll go. I'll watch that one. But uh, anything else you got on the the Clippers and I'm sorry, the playoffs? (laughs) No, nothing. I mean, we can save it for next pod because I think uh, some of these um, I feel like some of these will be over some of these, uh, you know, matchups. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. That's what, that's what I'm here for, buddy. I'm like, you're, I'm the Ricky Rubio. Uh, so one thing that is definitely starting to pop up left and right now, uh, seeing as the draft is now kind of set, the draft order set is, you know, a lot of dumb trades. They're kind of everywhere now. You know, you have a lot of people who are trying to, of course, Minnesota, our good friend, Jack Borman over at Canis Hoopus, who we did a podcast with, uh, you know, he, he's already starting to try to come up with scenarios in which he can get Devin Booker. Do it. Um, we know that that's not going to happen. It makes sense, though. But Bleacher Report blessed us with something that we like to call the Dumb Trade of the Week. And what they decided was to put together, you know, kind of five moves that are bold moves for teams to do uh, entering the draft. And they said the Suns could send Kelly Oubre in the number 10 pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers for the number five pick and Dante Exum. What are your thoughts on that, Matthew? My first thought was Dante Exum still playing. And it's like, oh, the the second thought is like, oh, maybe there's a little hope in that guy because every year it's the same thing. Um, But yeah, of course, what do we usually do with these dumb trade of the weeks? I mean, we usually say, nah. Sometimes I might agree. Sometimes, even though they're dumb, I might be like, yeah, maybe that'll work out for the Suns, but no. Uh, We talk about Kelly Uri Jr. getting traded a lot, but this would not be something I am interested in. Dante Exum, I I don't even want to look him up on basketball reference at all to see his last few years in the league. I just don't want to torture myself. So, uh, no. Thank you. So, when I researched this a little bit, you know, because the first thing that pops to my mind is, okay, is this a way to us uh, for the Suns to get off the Kelly Oubre contract? And essentially, this would be because uh, Dante Exum makes nine point six million dollars a year. Kelly Oubre makes about seventeen next year. So, yeah, we we would actually garner uh, a few dollars, you know, million dollars there, and we'd also move up to the uh, the fifth pick. But again, it's like I said at kind of the the beginning of the podcast. I don't know if I really want to move up into the number five because you got to pay the number five like a number five. Yeah, if, exactly. You know, if, now, granted, if you're saving money by trading him for Dante Exum, you know the numbers are going to work. You will save money in the long run. But you nailed it on the head, man. Dante Exum, like that motherfucker's still yeah. in the league, and he's only 24 right now too. He's only 24. Yeah, when he came in, he was 19. I guess I think he played one more year overseas or something. But okay, I just you know it was a long story. But but you're also paying a guy 10 million, where I would rather pay Javon Carter 10 million for the production he'd give me than what Devonte can. So or Dante, did I just say Devonte? Yeah, he said Devonte. Yeah. A couple shout outs in the chat here. One uh, shout out to Down Under, our boy, our our boy Boyd Crowley. How you doing? Uh, down there in Australia, we appreciate you tuning in to our first live stream. Uh, and I love what Carlos said here. He said, book ain't going anywhere. He is about his legacy. He has always said he wants the super team to come to him. Yeah, and but that's something that we've said time and time totally. again. 
this is his city. Uh, I don't even know if it's necessarily a super team. He just wants a productive yeah. team, and and he sees the remnants of that. He's so damn happy that he's licking you know Jenner's bellies and beaches in Malibu now. So uh, she has plenty of bellies, but she also, I mean, he. Oh, she's now thinking about Kendall Jenner. No, but um, I think that honestly, um, Minnesota has the right to put up those trades out there because if we were the Minnesota and we had Ant- Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell his two best friends, we would be putting out pieces every day about how to get Booker over here. So agreed, good for them. Agreed. And it's not going to happen, but honestly, they they can dream big, and uh, they probably dream somewhere else. I don't know where else they're going to go with that pick, too. So I'm pretty sure they can get a good piece, though, for that first pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About well, yeah. I mean, again, if I, yeah, if I had two of the pieces, of course you want to complete the puzzle. I don't even know if all three of them would play well together. I think it would be a very defensively – uh, you know, at least from a guard standpoint, it probably wouldn't be the best, you know, defensive matchups uh, day in and day out for those guys. So uh, you want to do a little mailbag? Let's do it. All right. Mailbag. So you can hit us up at uh, sunsjamsession at gmail.com to send these mailbag questions to us. Or you can visit sunsjamsession.com and leave us a message there as well. So our mailbag question today comes from The Vengeance. And he said, if you could pick one of these superstars to play with the current Suns team, who would it be? Giannis, LeBron, or Kawhi? Oh, man. Giannis, LeBron, or Kawhi? I know you love you some LeBron, man. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta go Giannis, I think, right? Because he... Right now, you you just he's the best all around player. He really is, and I know I like LeBron better. I think LeBron was the MVP, um, but I'm I'm gonna pick Giannis on this definitely. What do you got, baby? I'm I'm the same way. Uh, Giannis is clearly the pick. I love Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's my favorite player to watch. Who's not a Phoenix Sun, but I think with this team, the best fit would be Giannis, and I think that's for any team. I mean, clearly, we're, clearly is. we're playing uh, some sort of fantasy land because it's it's not gonna really happen, but. Uh, that's a fun question. <laughs> I wish we had Giannis. Uh, LeBron, he's too old, you know? So, I mean... In a couple years, because, I don't know, we'll see. I don't know. Let's We'll get into free agency later, right? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, what Gant Tizzle here says. When are you talking about free agency? Uh, we'll be talking about it on another episode. Um, this is yeah. kind of just taking a look at the lottery results and trying to understand what some of the people are out there as far as draft picks are concerned. Free agency, I think, is going to be a Big time decision for uh, Monty Williams and James Jones and who they want to bring in. But I really think that this is, especially with the cap being affected by COVID uh, and not a really strong free agent class, we might be able to get yeah. one piece in free agency, maybe somebody uh, to back up DeAndre Ayton. I think that's going to be the biggest thing that mm-hmm. we'll need to address in uh, free agency this year, in all honesty, because Aaron Baines is gone and I love Dario Saric, but I don't know how much backup five he can really play. You know, it looked no, good exactly. in the bubble, but you put him against the Lakers when they're, or the, or Portland where they're just, you know, brick shit houses down there low. Dario Saric get eaten alive. Yeah. And plus we're going to have a ball podcast pretty soon too. Uh, Lonzo ball already wants out of uh, new Orleans. Uh, what, so, what are but- your thoughts on that? By the way, I don't know. I mean, is he trying to come to Phoenix or what? I mean, we we can talk about this for I feel like hours. He but, wants to go where his brother is, wherever his brother yeah, gets drafted. It, all of a sudden, it's gonna be, he's going to be a Charlotte Hornet. Yeah, I mean, maybe I just I don't understand why you would want out of that situation. I know Gentry just got fired, but what is what's going on to where Lonzo just wants out? You heard stuff about him not wanting to be there, kind of acting like he just didn't belong there or whatever it was, and it's just it's kind of kind of 
kind of weird, just kind of frustrating too, because I like that team a lot, and I kind of wanted them back again next year with the healthy Zion. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. We we can talk about Lonzo later with the Suns unit. Of course, we we like Lonzo, um, but I don't know how that would fit right now. So yeah, I I really don't either. Um, I think that's all we got for this episode. You got anything else to tell the folks out there before I do the housekeeping notes and drop the beat one more time and go get another beer? Uh, no, I'm not. Am I supposed to do the outro now? Is that what you're asking? Oh, no. I oh, okay. Just, is there anything else you want to talk about? Are you watching anything cool on TV? No. Oh, no. Afterlife. <laughs> you're still watching Fourth Afterlife? Oh, motherfucker. This is the most depressing yeah. show. You need to watch something positive, man. Like, how oh, can I, you go from watching the 8 0 Suns in the Bubble, which exude positivity and all this great, and then you go and watch Afterlife, where it's like yeah. funny, but you like you want to kill yourself. The whole show is like about a guy who wants to kill himself, but like is finding reasons not to. And you're watching it for exactly. the fourth time. That's the Office, man. Than that. If What's you, that? If you don't think suicide every day, you're not living the life, all right? Oh my God. Advice by Matthew. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you are a Suns fan. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, here's a reminder to all the listeners out there. Make sure that you subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network wherever you're listening to this pod. Uh, if you're watching via Twitter or Facebook and eventually YouTube, make sure that you subscribe uh there as well. We truly appreciate it. Um you can follow us at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow us. Uh, I'm at Darth Voida. He's at Matthew Lissy. And uh, I think that's it for this podcast. I really appreciate everybody coming along this journey with us. Uh, it's the first time doing a live stream, and it went pretty smooth. I really didn't fuck up anything too yeah. bad. You know, next time, bring the comments. You know, I want to see some stuff in there that um, I may not agree with. It might hurt my soul, but I want to I want to support you in any way. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, everyone go home. Love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody.